6, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Our lesson today, I guess you could say, will be focused a little bit more on parents. But it's not just for them. There's something in this passage, in this, for all of us. Some of you, like myself, you have young children. I can't believe I have one that's going to be 16 years old next month. I have one that turns 11 today. And another who will be a teenager next year. And our little one, he'll be seven next month. Time seems to get away from us before I know it. All four will be grown. All four will be gone. It'll seem like yesterday they were all so small. But this is a lesson that I need. And others like me need this lesson as well. Some of you, you have children. You have teenagers who are about to leave the home. And even as they leave the home, you're still going to care for them. But they're going to enter into adulthood. And, and as they grow into adulthood, they'll greatly learn how to take care of themselves. This lesson has some information for you as well. Some of you are older. Some of you your children are already grown and gone. Some of you, you don't have children. But I hope that this lesson, as we take a look at the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6, I hope that these would be helpful to you even as an individual. It would be helpful for you in your marriage as you and your spouse are, are helping each other in a life of sanctification. As we're longing and waiting for the Lord to come again. We're going to focus this morning on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Moses was preparing the children of Israel to enter into the land of Canaan. And so he has a lot of instructions, a lot of information to give them about how they should operate as a nation, how they should operate even as individuals living within the nation. He gives them information about worship, how they are to worship God. A lot of information about serving and loving a gracious God. You know, it's interesting to me how often that word grace appears in the Old Testament, or at least the concept of grace shows up in the Old Testament. It appears that God was always wanting the heart of people. And one of the things that really pointed out here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's speaking about their faith in general, but he's also talking about the responsibility that comes upon them as parents. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. As we study today, I want us to recognize together five different things to have within the game plan for parents. Five different points that should be in your life, even if you're not a parent, in your life as a child of God, to make a plan even for yourself. And the first one is this. Begin with what you've got. Pardon my English, but it goes along with the rest of the blanks to fill in. Begin with what you've got. Take a look at verse 4. In the very beginning, Hear, O Israel. Listen, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Or as Jesus says many times, assuredly, assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen. This is something for us to listen to. We, have, we are the spiritual Israel today. And these are some words that are important for us. And what would follow after? What would follow after Jesus or, or Moses saying, listen, Jesus would say was the greatest of all commands. So what do we see in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4? Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You can't get any more basic than those words right there. The Lord is God and the Lord is one. He's not a multitude of gods. He is one. Jesus said this in a very impressive way over in John chapter 17 in his high priestly prayer, recognizing that he and the Father are one. And we see it taught many times throughout the Scriptures, especially in the New Testament as the Godhead is revealed to us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, emphasizing their oneness. God is, and God is one. But notice what else he says here. He says, the Lord, our God. See, Israel was God's chosen possession. They were his treasured people. The Edomites, they weren't God's treasured people. The Philistines, they weren't God's treasured people. Now, God does love the entire world, but it was Israel through whom he would send his son, Jesus. Now, Jesus, today, he's already come. And, and, and who are his people today? His people are Christians. He is our God as we relate to him as our Redeemer. He's also our God because we relate to him as our Creator. And that's true for the entire world. God is the Father of all families. And so first of all, we begin with what we've got. God's already there. God's already cleared the path for us to trust in Him. In regards to the matters of salvation, He's already cleared the path there as well. He's already sent His Son. His Son has already died on the cross to bear the penalty for the sins of the entire world. He's already done it. There is nothing from God's perspective that stands in the way between Him and us. The only thing that stands in the way is us. So what we already have, what we've already gotten, we simply need to humbly accept it. And as parents, our children need to see us do that. To not allow me, myself, and I to get in the way of the relationship that God has already made available. So number one, begin with what you got. Number two, this is what Jesus says was the most important 
of all. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Number two, build on what you can give. God's already given us everything that we could ever need. And He continues to bless us every single day of our lives. James tells us every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above with whom there's neither variation nor shadow of turning. Everything that comes from God is good. He gives us gifts so that we can use them for our own living. He gives us gifts so that we can use them for our own benefit, for our own families. But He also gives us these gifts so we can use them for His glory. Now this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You know what verse 4 was saying? Verse 4 was saying God is true. God is certain. Here are the facts about God. Do you know what verse 5 is all about? Verse 5 is saying here's what you're going to do about it. What do you want to do with those facts? Place your trust in God. Sometimes we sing the song, Tis so sweet to what? Know the facts about Jesus? No, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Parents, I don't know about you, but those three boys and that girl right over there, I want them growing up knowing that I don't just believe in verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I don't just believe about the facts of Jesus. Yes, I do believe the facts of Jesus. But I want them to know that I also love the Lord. That I would surrender myself wholly to Him. That my faith wouldn't just be a certainty, a knowledge and a, and a belief in the facts, but it would be a trust in Him. That my repentance wouldn't just be a, a hatred of the things that I don't like, but sometimes even a hatred of myself, to give myself completely and wholly over to God, giving up anything in my life and turning it all completely over to Him. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 12. In verse 25, whoever loves his life will lose it, but whoever hates his life in this life, in this world, will keep it for eternal life. He would go on to say, whoever serves me, he will follow me. And wherever I am, that's where my servant will be. And whoever serves me, the Father will honor. As my children see me confess, that Jesus is Lord. Hopefully they won't see it just as words being produced from my mouth. Yes, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's nice. That's great. We, we need to make that confession. But, but let the confession of our mouths become the confession of our life. Meaning that you'll call upon the name of the Lord in everything that you do. It's not something that you just do at the moment of your conversion. It's something you continue to do for the rest of your life. Peter said in John chapter 6, well, Jesus, Jesus wanted to know. He, he said, 
will you also go away? See, the multitudes had departed. Jesus had said some very difficult things for them to, to grasp, to, to understand, and, and they began to leave, and Jesus turns to his apostles and says, will you also go away? In John chapter 6, we see some incredible words of faith and repentance and confession from the mouth of Peter. He says, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that you are the Holy One from God. So yes, he had certainty, but he placed his trust. Through confession, he placed his trust that Jesus would be true to his promises. That's what confession is. Confession is making the admission that what God says is true is in fact true. That He will honor His promises. He always has and He always will. Build on what God can give. Place your trust, place your love, place your affection, place all of it. Not just your mind, but your heart and your soul and every ounce of strength that you have. Give what you can give and build on that. Give it to God. Number three, we look at verse six. Blaze through with what you can gain. Verse six says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I heard a preacher one time, he said, Psalm 119 says, Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And he said, I keep God's word as close to my heart as I possibly can. He reached inside his jacket pocket, and he pulled out a little pocket New Testament. He said, right here, right next to my heart. Now, he meant that as a joke. Y'all didn't get it as a joke either, so that's okay. Um, but I wonder if sometimes that's the way we think about it. That's how we sometimes picture the Word of God. You know, I, I just always have my Bible. Maybe I keep it under the seat of my car. Maybe uh, I've got the Bible app on my phone, and so I always have the Bible with me wherever I go. Where's the Word of God supposed to be? Keep them diligently in your heart, within you. And parents, as you bring up these little ones who you hold so close to your heart right now. My hope is that they learn even from the youngest of years as they're being held close to your chest as your heart is beating. I'm using this in, in a figurative sense, I know, but that, that as your heart's beating, it's beating the words of God's instructions. And even more so what those words mean to you. This is good. This is powerful. But what makes this more powerful to me, what makes it more powerful to you, what makes it more powerful to my family and to your family is when it goes from here to here. When it goes from words printed on paper to actions and thoughts and desires within our heart. As you're blazing the trails for your children to follow after you, 
so that they may too be able one day to pick up that axe, to pick up that machete and start cutting down the trees and blazing the trail for themselves. They'll do so following the example of being true and being in love with God, whose purpose for you and whose purpose for your life is to live and to abide in His Word. Number four, bridge the foreseeable gaps. This is verse seven. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Can, you can think about verses six and seven, something like this. Your children are growing. You think of the baby in your arms, learning even from that very, very young age, learning from the Word of God, simply because of the closeness which you hold them as your heart beats with the Word. But then in verse 7, they're getting older. They're learning one-on-one. -on -one. They're learning as they walk by your side. But here's the thing, parents, this is relational. If they're going to learn from you, you need to spend time with them. They need to be by your side. And as they get older, they're going to give you the impression that they don't want to be around you as much, and, and maybe there's a little bit of truth in that. But they still need it. And deep down, they still want it. They still want your love. They still want your, your growing trust in them. And what God says for parents of the Israelites, it's still true for us today. I don't care if the person is a Christian or not. Maybe someone with just a, a simple belief. These are words that are good for anybody. When you walk by the way, when you sit down, when you lie down, when you eat, whatever you're doing, as you are going, Teach them. And what do we teach them? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And taking into account what, what other passages in the Bible tell us, we could add to that, love your neighbor as yourself. Bridge the foreseeable gaps. And number five, bring the plan into the game. You know there are going to be some gaps in life with your children. You know there are going to be some times when you, you're not going to be able to be there by their side. Your, your teaching, your teaching now helps bridge those gaps. But what they gain from that is that they see that you brought the plan into the game. That God was a part of your life, not just a part of your life. God was your life. He was on your hands. He was on your foreheads. He was across your heart. He was on the doorpost of your home. He was the foundation of your family. The walls that knit everything together. He was the roof that provided shelter. He is everything. When our children are older and they're apart from us, and the distance becomes greater and greater. They'll be able to look back at our lives and see us as individuals who had a game plan. And we always brought the plan with us to the game. We lived by it. 
We breathe by it. That was the food in our stomach. Jesus said, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. He is that food. He is our nourishment. He's that shelter. He is our rock. Young parents, older parents, anybody. That's the game plan. Now, we probably could have gone through any number of scriptures to find a a game plan for our lives, but I like this one. And so I wanted to go here. This morning, we're going to sing a song of invitation. If there's anyone here who desires the prayers of the church, we certainly want to offer them on your behalf. It could be that you're struggling with your walk in Christ, your desire though, is to, to return to a saving, a saved condition with Him and maintain a saving faith in Him. Or maybe you've had some sins in your life. You're willing to confess those sins. You're willing to, to walk in that faith. You simply want us to pray for you for encouragement or for forgiveness. Maybe there's someone here today that you have a faith in God. You've already made some changes in your life to move in the right directions. And, and this morning you want to confess Jesus as the Son of God and be immersed in water to have your sins washed away. God can save you. He will save you. He wants to save you. If there's anything that we can do this morning to help you, we encourage you to come while we stand together and sing. Hey.